Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It is wonderful, it's delightful to see all of you here today on this fourth Sunday of Advent. I can't believe that we are just days away from Christmas Eve and from Christmas. Thank you for being here this morning. It's so so great to see people as they are coming home to visit families and, and getting to see people for the first time in a while uh, during these weeks leading up to Christmas. I know that people are not able to travel as much as they have been in the past, but it's always wonderful to get to see people when we have the opportunity. So whether you're joining us online today or in person, welcome to First Presbyterian Church. Our scripture readings from today, for today both come from the book of Revelation. First, we're going to be reading from chapter 12, verses 1 through 6, and then we're going to be reading from chapter 19, verses 11 through 16. Now, these may seem like unusual passages to be reading on the Sunday before Christmas, but I promise there's a reason for this, and I will explain that shortly. But if you would, please turn to Revelation chapter 12. You can look uh, in your Bible, you can look in the bulletin, uh, or you can pull it up on your phone if you would like to do that. Revelation chapter 12 says this, And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them down to earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by God, in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. And now turning to chapter 19 of John's revelation, beginning in verse 11. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The grass withers and the flower fades but the word of our God endures forever. Let us pray. O Lord, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, on this, the night before the darkest night of the year, be our, be our light, be our salvation, be our hope and our joy. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. For it is in the name of your son, our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. In December 2020, we don't just like Christmas, we need Christmas. Whether the crisis is global, like a war or a pandemic, 
or much more personal, like a divorce or a death of someone we love. We need Christmas because the heart of Christmas, the heart of the Christmas story and the heart of the gospel itself is the promise of the coming of a savior, of the Messiah, the Holy One who will restore our lives and restore our world for our good and for God's glory. And the essential promise of Christmas is that God is Emmanuel. That is, that he is here with us, that he is with us, and that he was with us, and that he will be with us again. In good years or in bad years, we need Christmas. And the Bible tells us that the promises of Messiah did not come in peaceful, easy times. Rather, the promises of Messiah came in times of deep distress and trouble. In fact, the brightest promises of Messiah have come in the darkest moments of our history. The first promise of Messiah came when Adam and Eve were expelled from the garden. They came when Israel and Judah were besieged and overrun by the great empires of Assyria and Babylonia. The promise of, of Messiah came when Joseph and Mary and the people of Judea were oppressed by the Romans. And today, we're going to look back at the book of Revelation to see how God made the promise of Messiah to his servants who were being persecuted for his namesake. Now, you may be asking, why should we be reading the book of Revelation here at Christmas 2020? Well, the story of Christmas is about the coming of Christ, and so is the book of Revelation. It is the promise of the coming of the Messiah to God's people in persecution. The Apostle Paul, do, excuse me, the Apostle John, understood persecution firsthand. John was the, the friend and beloved disciple of Jesus Christ. At this time, when he wrote Revelation, he was about 90 years old. And he wrote down what he saw. And this is what he wrote to his brothers and sisters. He said, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. John introduces his vision by telling his readers that he was a prisoner on the island of Patmos because he had proclaimed God's message and the truth that Jesus had revealed. John identified himself as the reader's companion in the tribulation. Specifically, he means I'm your companion in persecution. I mean, here is a man who has watched his friends martyred one by one. He's watched beloved friends enslaved and imprisoned. He himself has been tortured, beaten, and is now being held prisoner on the penal colony island of Patmos. Patmos was a prison island. It was specifically for political prisoners. It was the Devil's Island or the Guantanamo Bay or the Gulag of the Roman Empire. Now some people might think that keeping him alive as opposed to executing him was a mercy, but putting him on this penal colony on this island was not a mercy. It was a punishment. The Romans only kept him alive so that they could do something worse to him later. They could use him, they could kill him slowly, they could make an example of him or something worse. But one day, the Lord Jesus came to John while he was on this island and said, I have a job for you. Write what you see in a book and send it to the church. Now we need to notice something. The Lord says in Revelation 1.19, 
Write the things which you have seen, the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. In other words, he was saying, I want you to write down what you see. I want you to write down the things that are happening, the things that are happening, excuse me, that have happened, the things that are happening now, and the things that are going to happen. You see, everybody thinks that the book of Revelation is just about the future. But in fact, Revelation, the Revelation to John, is about the things that are, about things that will be, and about things that have been. It is past, present, and future. And embedded in the book of Revelation is a heaven's eye view of the Christmas story. As a matter of fact, that first passage that we've read today is Revelation's version of the Christmas story. You know, we're so used to hearing the Christmas story like this from Luke chapter 2. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. We all know the story. It's familiar. But here's what, John, what the Lord showed John in his vision. A woman ready to give birth, clothed with the sun and stars on her head. And a great dragon with seven heads and ten horns. And on his head were seven diadems, seven crowns. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God. Now, I don't know about you, but I've not yet seen a claymation Christmas special about that version of the Christmas story. But the story from Luke and the vision from Revelation are talking about the same event. They're both talking about the birth of Christ. But the familiar version, the Luke version, the Matthew version, is about how it looked on earth. The Revelation version is about how it looked from heaven. Several years ago, Max Lucado, our our local friend and treasure wrote a great little book based on this heaven's eye view of the nativity. It's called Cosmic Christmas. And in that book, he wrote this, pulling back the curtain of the skies, revelation reveals a bloody war in heaven. John sees a woman ready to give birth. He sees a dragon ready to bring death. The dragon lunges at the newborn child, but he's too late. And then there was a war in heaven and the angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back. In the book, Cosmic Christmas, Lucado goes on to imagine how the birth of Christ might have looked to the angels as they had a front row seat, a front row view of this miracle. He writes, do you know who you hold, Mary? You secure the author of grace. He who is ageless is now moments old. He who is limitless is now in your embrace. He who strides upon the stars now has legs too weak to walk. The hands which held the oceans are now an infant's fist. To him who has never asked a question, you will teach the name of the wind. The source of language will learn words from you. He who has never stumbled, you will carry. He who has never hungered, you will feed. The king of creation is in your arms. All of God in the infant. 
God who has gone from a throne to a feed trough. And his name will be Wonderful Counselor, Powerful God, Father who lives forever, and Prince of Peace. Lucado was saying this, this might have been how the angels saw the birth of Christ and how glorious to see Jesus Christ as he truly is. But nevertheless, Revelation also shows us that ancient dragon, the serpent of old, that he tried to destroy him. First, the serpent tried to tempt Jesus, to turn him away from God as he had the first man and the first woman. And when he couldn't turn Jesus, he turned everybody else against him. They hated him. They misunderstood him. They resisted him. They betrayed him. They abandoned him. They slandered him. They scourged him. They humiliated him. And finally, they crucified and killed him. But that was all part of the Lord's plan. He was wounded for our transgressions. And by his stripes, we are healed. He was wounded for the evil that we do to one another and to ourselves. He lived the life that we could not live. And he endured the death that we could not endure. So that we can be lifted up and become the children that God the Father created us to be. The punishment we deserve will be given to him and we will be forgiven, healed, and restored because of his wounds. Yes, as God told Adam and Eve, the serpent will bruise his heel, but the son of man will crush his head because death could not hold him. And the Lord snatched him from destruction and seated him on the throne of heaven. The Lord was saying to John, this is what I've done. This is what I did at Christmas. I have revealed what you could not see. I've revealed what was going on behind the scenes. He was showing John and he is showing us that the birth of Christ was not just a historical event It was a cosmic battle and an eternal victory. Nevertheless, the Christmas promise of Revelation is not just about Christ's first coming. It's also about his second coming. During those first fierce days of Christian persecution, the Lord showed the apostle John that God is still on his throne. And he promised that the Messiah would come again. Then I saw heaven opened and behold, a white horse. And the one sitting on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You know, over the years, as I've read about all of these prophecies about the coming of the Messiah, something's always bothered me. I mean, the prophecies about his birth, about his being born to a virgin, about where he was to be born in Bethlehem, those have all come true. Even the prophecies about Easter, about his suffering for our sins, those have all come true. But what about those big promises of Messiah? 
that have to do with peace, with justice, with an end to corruption and poverty, the promises of glory and peace on earth and goodwill toward men. I mean, God told Micah, they shall beat their swords into plowshares and they shall sit every man under his own vine and under his own fig tree and no one shall make them afraid. He told Jeremiah, in those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell securely. Ezekiel said, I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed and I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak and I will, and the fat and the strong I will destroy and I will feed them in justice. And Isaiah, to Isaiah he said, the wolf shall lie down with the lamb and his authority shall grow continually and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He said, I will swallow up death forever and the Lord God will wipe away every tear from all faces. Yes, there are many promises of Messiah that have come to pass. But not all things on earth are as they are in heaven. So when is that stuff? When is that part going to happen? The work of Christ is finished. The victory of Christ is won. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is at hand. But when is it going to look like it? God's answer in the New Testament, John's answer, God's answer to, to John in Revelation is this, that the promises, the promises of Messiah are fulfilled completely, but not everybody sees it yet. And the final promise of God's word is that one day the kingdom transformation inaugurated by the birth, life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ will be brought to fulfillment in his return. Christ Jesus will rule on earth as he does in heaven. Jesus said that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. And one day that authority will be made visible to the entire world. Revelation reminds us that the promise of Messiah is fulfilled, but that the promise is not over because Christ has won the victory. Christ has won the victory over sin and death. The Bible also tells us that he will come again to claim his bride and to claim his world. He will bring all people together. Every tribe and nation and tongue will fall down and worship before him. I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. The enemy will be destroyed and the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And the dead will be given new resurrection life, and death will be no more. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And peace peace that passes understanding will reign in the fellowship that we share with God. 
And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. The book of Revelation tells us that the victory that was made real in the birth, life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ is made visible in his return. And that's good news because we need to know that this, this is not it. That 2020 is not all we can expect. That it's, that it's going to get better than this. That the pandemic is not going to win. That persecution is not going to win. That brokenness in families is not going to win. That injustice and racism and corrupt politics are not going to win. That moral collapse and toxic perversion are not going to win. That poverty and neglect are not going to win. That death is not going to win. Advent points to the fact that the Messiah has come and that he will come again. But it also reminds us that one day Jesus will make his real victory visible in every sphere and every realm of life. The kingdom that was at hand in the first coming of Christ will be visible in his second coming. And on that day, says the Apostle Paul, every knee shall bow on the earth and under the earth and over the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Revelation says on his head are many crowns, many diadems. And because all authority is given unto him, he wears all the crowns. Truth, government, morality, justice, economics, relationships. He will even wear the crown of my life. And one day, even in my heart, even in my life, he will rule just as he reigns. The Christmas promise of Revelation reminds us that even when the world is at its most chaotic, God is still in control. All John could see was his own circumstances. All he could see was that that cave that he was living in on this rocky, desolate prison island. He had seen dear friends enslaved, imprisoned and killed, families broken, all just for speaking the truth of Jesus. And so I believe that the Lord showed John this vision to encourage him. Not because he was worried that John was losing faith, but he also didn't want him to lose heart. Because we all know that all we know is what we see. All we know are our own circumstances. Woody Allen once said, was once asked, why are all of your plays about real life? He said, it's because it's the only thing that ever happens to me. Our circumstances, real life, are the only things that ever happen to us. And that's what we know. You know, this week I read another story about the persecution of Christians in the People's Republic of China, that the government is stepping up efforts and making a push to eradicate people who will not conform to party dogma. That's code for Christians. This week I read another story about a Christian woman in Pakistan who was murdered by a suitor because she would not convert to Christianity to marry him. 
This week, I read a story about 344 Christian boys who were kidnapped from a school in Nigeria by a terrorist organization. And I've lost count of the number of times I've heard from our own mission partners in Mexico about the kidnappings and the threats that pastors and Christian leaders face from drug and crime cartels every day. We have to remember that the revelation promise of of Christmas is not just for us. It's for them. The people who are living in their own Patmos right now. But it does also apply to us. If you or someone you love is dying from cancer, all you can see is cancer. If you're struggling with addiction, all you can see is addiction. If you're suffering from abuse, all you can see is abuse. And right now it seems that as a society right now, all we can see is COVID. But we have no idea what God is doing behind the scenes. What the Lord is doing for us, for his bride, not just in the world, but through the world. I mean, yes, we get assurances of scripture that all things work together for good, but we don't see it. And so for a moment, God pulled back the veil of history. He pulled back the curtain of real time. And he took John behind the scenes to show him and to show us what he is doing. And he told John, tell my people what I've done. Tell my people what I'm doing and tell my people what I'm going to do. Give them hope. When John was with Jesus before his ascension, back on the mountain in Galilee, Jesus said, behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This wasn't just a comforting message, a comforting assurance of his affection. Jesus was saying, I will be with you now and forever. I have got your back. I am at your side. I am your shield and your great reward. I am holding you in the palm of my hand and no weapon formed against you shall prosper. No pandemic is more powerful than the power of my resurrection. Nothing can separate you from my love. And whatever it is that they meant for evil, God will use for good. Behold, I am with you even until the end of the age. He was saying, I am still Emmanuel. I'm still God with us. The last promise of the Bible is this. Jesus says, Surely I am coming soon. The Greek word here is the word Maranatha. And when Jesus says, Surely I am coming soon, to that I say, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. Amen. We pray with me. Lord, we pray today, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. The promise of Christmas is fulfilled, but we need to see it. We are so darkened, we are so beleaguered, we are so 
overwhelmed by our circumstances. Lord, let us see what's behind the curtain. Let us see what's behind the veil. Lord, show us through your word, your glorious light transcendent and give us the hope that you are in control, working all things together for your glory and for our good. Lord, help us and especially help those around the world who are suffering because of your name to know that you are coming. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Amen.